Hey, Scott. Hey, Nick. Oh, what's up? Why do you look so down? I just... I can't believe Back to the Future Minute is over. Hey, it's okay, man. You got Spider-Man Minute. You got the Doctor's Companion. What more do you want? What? You want your favorite uh, scientist and little uh, little assistant? You want me to do Doc and Marty? <gasps> right? You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, who the hell put this on? It's on random. For God's sake. Look, it's not that I want to keep doing Back to the Future Minute forever. I'm just trying to say that I need something a little more. I want to get out there and do interesting stuff. Podcast a little. And I'd love to be able to do it with you, but I want you to want to do it too. I agree. We should get out there, but what can we do? How about a Cornetto? A Cornetto? Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. First, we'll start with a bite of Shaun of the Dead. Then, we'll take some shots of hot fuzz, and later, we'll wrap it all up with a couple of pints at the world's end. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! The Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we take car, go to mums, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, and have a nice cold pint one minute at a time. It all blows over starting with Shaun of the Dead this October at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome back to Rocky Minute, where the daily podcast that analyzes the movie Rocky one minute at a time. I am Doug Greenberg. And I'm Jason Haynes. And with us again, we have Sully from Sully Baseball. How you doing today, Sully? I'm great. I'm great. Hey, I got. I want to say one quick thing before we get going here. Go for um, it. I introduced the Rocky movies to my kids. My kids are 12 years old. I introduced them to when they were 11. And I was really worried because to show them the first Rocky film, I was about their age when I saw it, but like films are so rapid fire today. And I was really worried that this film, which is obviously I love it, but it's a relatively slow movie. And I was wondering how it, my kids who were raised on, you know, fast paced cartoons and everything and they were watching, they were quiet. I couldn't tell if they were bored or not. Um, and then by the time the fight was going on, they were jumping up and down like they were watching a real fight on TV. No but kidding. The, the, moment, the moment I knew that they were into the film and they got it was the scene when he was walking Marie uh, back home. Little Marie, and then you know she's yeah, and she says screw you, and then yeah. and then walks away, and my, and my son Aiden just said, that wasn't nice. Rocky <laughs> was being good to her, and I said they get it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They get it. That's uh, I and when, by the way, when they saw Rocky three and Mickey died, oh, they had tears the size of cantaloupes going down, just <laughs> streaming down their face. <laughs> I I, and I couldn't tell if I. 
I couldn't tell if I was the best dad or the worst dad right, in the yeah. world <laughs> if I, you know, that I exposed him to that. But yeah, that this film works, still works to, for a new generation. It's it's by all definitions, it's timeless. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, my son's still a little young. He's seven, and uh, I I went right to Rocky Four with him because I knew that was the most action packed, and he loves that movie. As Scott Corelli said last week, Rocky Four is about eighty percent montage, so it's it's tailor made for kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I gotta tell I like you, it I showed I showed him Rocky Four, and it was the scene. Rocky Four is a twenty minute movie, um, <laughs> yeah. and and there's a scene when Rocky is really sad. He got in a fight with Adrian, who, by the way, is by Rocky Four. She's completely abandoned her Adrian persona, oh, yeah. and she's just Talia Shire. So they might as well just be calling her Talia at that point. And Rocky, Rocky uh, gets in his car and he just starts driving around, and they play some Michael Sambello song or something. No and uh, and uh, yes, thank you. And while that's going on, they start showing clips. And my son Aiden, who was like, you know, I think it was 11 at the time, says, he just sort of says in a little snarky voice, well, we're going to watch some more clips again. <laughs> yeah. And they show the same, the same punch, like, what, 10, 12 times in that one song, the, the knockout and punch. And it's like they they got a bunch of clips and they hit shuffle. I mean, they didn't yeah, even yeah. they didn't even match they didn't even match to what was happening. And I almost expected the the clapper or a boom mic to fall in at one point. You know, it's like that they're sh showing bloopers like at the end of a Burt Reynolds film. You know, it's like yeah, what, are, yeah. what are we even doing here? Well, we'll have to wait a few years to uh, cover that wait. one. Out <laughs> of my kid, yeah, by then my kids will be old enough to be on here. So there, there you go. go. Oh, yeah, there, there we go. I'll get them on for the yeah. montage. <laughs> <laughs> One of the three <laughs> montages. Uh, but today, we're covering Minute 12 of Rocky Original, which starts with Rocky Rocky, def Rocky uh, defending his, his unfortunate joke, and it closes with Rocky walking along a loading dock. So uh, Gloria calls Rocky out for his bad joke, and uh, <laughs> he tells her, inventing jokes isn't so easy sometimes. <laughs> His his uh, his his take on the English language. It's not making up jokes. It's inventing. It's inventing jokes. But you could just really see his balloon um, just deflating in this. And by the way, what isn't deflated in this scene is Gloria's hair. If you just see like <laughs> yeah. it, that is classic. That's a, that's the type of seventies hair that you don't. The, when they talk about seventies hair, they'll either have something. It'll be like the film. Um, what was the film that was with? Uh, uh, Christian Bale and Jennifer Lawrence. What was that? American Hustle? Was that what that was? Uh, oh, uh, um, American American Hustle, right? Yeah, American Hustle. Yeah, and yeah, and American. everyone has this wild, like you know, uh, Bradley Cooper and Amy Adams. Mm -hmm. They all this wild '70s hair and Jennifer Lawrence. And what most '70s hair was like this was like glorious. It was up. It was a little messy. It moved around way too much. Uh -huh. He, she, her hair reminds me of so many moms. From because I was about I was probably I was four when Rocky came out like like the, she looked like a mom from my nursery school. You, uh, know, yeah. <laughs> you could definitely tell the mm -hmm. the type. You know, and you know for sure the uh, the carpet matches the drapes. Well, I'm not gonna go there, and I didn't go there when I was four. But uh, <laughs> but there's no there's no attempt for her to be glamorous or Farrah Fawcett here. She's just Gloria. This is the way her hair turned out. She's gonna be going taking care of the hamsters so well we hear uh we finally get introduced to buckus but rocky buckus. hears the dog bark 
Yeah. Um, he's he's probably grateful for the interruption too, because uh, he couldn't be more happier to see than yeah, to see good old Buckus. Right. And it's another part of the flirting, though, when you think of it. He tried the joke. That didn't work. But he's going to show he's compassionate with the dog. I mean, he's just showing that he's – and that he not only loves the dog, but he has – there's a kinship with the dog that you know that pays off later. But that you see that, you know, this dog is in this cage, is in jail, is, you know – you know, yeah, like a cage that's almost too small for him. He's a giant dog. I would say Hannibal Lecter was more comfortable in that that little <laughs> gurney that they brought him out at the poor Buckuses in this this you know cage here, um, and then he he does the little Tarzan yell, and right. it's it just makes him yeah. more. It's he may not be funny, but he's endearing, and I think that that comes across. Who sees a dog and greets it, the dog with Tarzan <laughs> noises? I wonder, because everybody knows that this is uh, Sylvester Stallone's dog um, in real life. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if the Tarzan call is a thing he just does to his dog. Probably. Oh, well, maybe, maybe it is. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah. I know, it's pretty random. But uh, Stallone says... Uh, that they didn't have have money for a movie dog because their their budget was so tight. So he used his own. He's a 150 pound bull mastiff, and it's um, what Stallone said about it is uh, it's a, it's an adult dog in a pet shop full of puppies, and but nobody questions it. Like nobody wonders why there's an adult dog in, in like a puppy shop or it's just there. They let it breathe and they don't have to explain it. It's just that's how it is. It's one of the many things in this movie that is better because it was a low budget. You know, there are, th- right. there are things in this film left and right that they didn't have the money to have a lot of extras in the ice skating ring, so they just had it be him alone with Adrian and the guy yelling how many more minutes. It makes the scene so much better. They yeah. didn't have enough money to do certain, you know, they only had X number, of, they couldn't do the Polly throwing the turkey scene out more than one or two takes. So he had to really nail it, and there was a sense of energy to it. They didn't have, you know, they messed up the the banner where they they inadvertently oh, reversed the, poster. the, the, the yeah, yeah the poster. They reversed the color of the shorts, and that right. led to a wonderful moment. Was it the poster's wrong? Where he's obviously distracting himself, and it made it for a better movie. You know, the robe came out too long, and he was like, this is, and, and all these things which are like, oh, they didn't have the budget to do it right, made it better. You know, yeah, the, guy they, throw, the guy throwing the fruit to him while he's running because I mean, they just had one camera and the guy threw it. It made it better. And it's the sort of thing, if it was a big budget movie and they could make everything slick and everything right, it wouldn't have that sense of authenticity, including the detail of a dog that he has a real life connection with. The dog has a real life connection with him. Yeah, yeah. It's all uh, it's stuff that you can't you can't write. It just happens and it's natural and beautiful. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we got Gloria again. The hits keep coming. Oh, God. As she uh, sends, Adrian, <laughs> sends Adrian downstairs to clean the cat cages. But they, but 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 you see that you see though that she she keeps looking back. He looks at her, and then she sees that he looks back, and she quickly looks down. Yeah, it's a very and they look. throw each other. Yeah, they throw each other enough looks that she kind of like you know. All right, it's. It's not failing, Rocky. She knows you, and she wants to take another look at you. Right. Yeah, she gives him one last one before she disappears into the dungeon. But, but, but this Gloria, you know, 
here they are. They're having a moment. They're, they're having a nice moment, and she, it's like she does it on purpose. Like sends Adrian to like you know not only to to like send her out of the room, but to do something like demeaning. Like go downstairs and clean the cat cages. They're a mess. And she breaks up the the you know the nice moment that's going on here. Like you feel like like Gloria had probably has a miserable life, and now she doesn't want anybody else to be happy. So here she's gonna ruin this nice moment between this nice these nice young people. And she even after she after. Adrian starts walking away to clean the cat cages. You can see Gloria like looks at both of them and shakes her head. You'll see it here. She she walks away. He looks at her. She's gonna put her. You know they have the final glance. You know where you could tell they're interested in each other. And then Gloria kind of shakes right. her head, like you know enough. Gloria, let them be happy. Let them have their moment. Let them talk for a minute. What a bitch. Well, do you know what? Do you know what actually kind of reminds me is that you know how I said in in yesterday's show that in a way Paulie represents what. Rocky is kind of destined to become. Right, yeah. Well, she's probably destined to become Gloria. Like, that's probably who she's going to wind up being. You know, working at a store, you know, kind of being cynical, being cynical at the idea of love or finding someone. And that's, you know, that's one of the the nice things like that this film does is that it doesn't make it overt. It's just like, yeah, this is who you're going to be. Yeah, you know, your your hair won't be the same, but you know the the it'll that's basically who you're, you're going to be. But she's and she's got a lot of nerve insulting Rocky, telling him calling him Rockhead. Like, yeah, damn, damn Gloria, you're just just a miserable miserable woman. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that last look Adrian gives Rocky right, right before she goes on the stairs. She looks at him. She wants a smile, but she doesn't want to. She gives him like a very half smile. It's very it's a very uh, she, she sincere plays, look. She plays that part perfectly that the shy withdrawn girl yeah yeah and 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 yeah and her being in the movie adds a little bit of i mean i know she wasn't a big movie star but the fact that she was part of the godfather and you know she was got an oscar nomination for it you know for godfather 2 and there's that connection to i mean we got we must remember like Rocky was a just minuscule budget film, but having these little faces that remind you, sort of bring you into the the success of The Godfather, um, I think is adds a little bit of gravitas to this little to this little movie that could. Um, but the fact that that she you know there's this there was even though she got an Oscar nomination for playing Connie in Godfather Two, there was a little stigma to her in that she was. Coppola's sister. Like, how did she right, get the role? Yeah. Well, she's the director's sister. Well, this is her. Yeah. Francis isn't directing this movie. This is a film for her. So maybe some of that, you know, the baggage of I'm the director's sister who got the job, da da da, comes across in the part the same way the baggage of I wrote this movie, this is my character, and, you know, even though you don't know who I am, I'm going to prove myself to you is a subtext of Rocky and Stallone. And I think that the these films don't exist in vacuums and these performances don't exist in vacuums. And knowing that, uh, you know, adds a lot. I mean, Tali is, and she got nominated for Best Actress for this movie. And I think more people think of her as Adrian than as Connie. I agree, uh, definitely. And, you know, I think that's improved by the fact that Yo, Adrian is one of the most famous lines in movie history. But, um, you know, but it's it, that she plays it and you know that he, these Rocky films don't exist and aren't the enduring franchise that it became without the sincerity of this love. And I think that that's so much of the that so much of it 
and what makes this film works is Tally Shire's performance. And you just see it all being set up in the scene and it's, it just makes it great. Yeah, she had a chance to prove herself and she, she killed it. Think of all the people who the subtext of both her performance proving herself that she's not the director's, just the director's sister. Stallone writing this film and creating this. You know, this is probably the last great role that someone like uh, Burgess Meredith was going to get. And he has that, you know, when he when he's begging to be his manager and he kind of like he leans, he tells how old he is. It's the sense of this is my last shot and the subtext of that performance. The reality of these actors are coming through the the characters and it just gives it a sense of authenticity that I mean even you you could there are a lot of sports movies a lot of boxing movies even good boxing movies like the fighter with with Marky Mark but that doesn't have the resonance of this I think because it's just dripping with sincerity and has it has no pretensions and I think that's one of the reasons why it will endure so much longer. In any conversation, the greatest sports movie, it's barely a sports movie. I think of this as a romance that happens to have a boxing match at the end. And it's a, and it's a workout video because everyone has to do the let it fly. You've got to fly oh, now, so it's a workout video. <laughs> they got to run to the song, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they, they – uh, uh, I forget if it was the producers or the director – um, I think it was uh, Alvinson that said after reading the script that this is as much a boxing movie as Gone with the Wind is a movie about the Civil War. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that just happens to be the setting, and this is what plays out amidst it. Yeah, but unlike Gone with the Wind, the characters actually develop. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scarlett O'Hara is the same at the beginning. You watch a four-hour movie, she's the same at the end. Go, really? This is where we, we landed. <laughs> Was that harsh? I'm sorry, but it's. No, it's, I don't. You know I'm what? I'm not I, doing Gone with the Wind minute anytime yeah, soon. It, it, it's like a five-hour movie, so I don't think anybody is. Yeah. yeah. So does Rocky steal the turtle food? Well, he doesn't pay for it. That's for sure. It says crime don't pay. When she tells him, when she calls him Rockhead, she tells him you got to pay for that turtle food, and he he tells her crime don't pay, Gloria, and he walks out. So couldn't have done one of those quarter flips. I think he, he does eventually. He probably has a tab at the uh, yeah. store there. <laughs> uh, just, once he gets that big 20 bucks. Yeah, once he gets yeah. His, <laughs> how much did the turtle food cost back in this day? Like 69 cents? Yeah, he flips her a quarter. Yeah. So we cut to the loading dock. No oh, man. Setting. Swinging a big yeah. stick. It, it's yeah. like you mentioned uh, yesterday um, about the feel, the feel of the docks. It, it says blue collar as it gets. You know, yeah. the forklifts, the dumpsters. Rocky has a has pep in his step again. He's happy again. He just saw Adrian. They just had a little moment, and he's back to happy Rocky again. Well, I have uh, tomorrow. I have more on what Stallone says about this scene because we only get like a, a, a really quick taste of it here. But you can see, I mean, as as a first time watcher, what what do you think? Maybe he's going to work. Yeah, I mean, he is going to work, but maybe he he's one of the forklift drivers. I don't know. I you know I I saw this movie for the first time when I was ten years old. And I think I was just waiting for the boxing match at the end. Uh, you know, I, did, I didn't even understand what was happening in this scene. And it's one of the things that I wish I saw this when I was older and I could really understand some of this. Just in this, you see, you know, as we said, there's so much character development through art direction. That you could, it's, this is the docks. You see it's the docks. It's, it's dirty. You know, the forklifts are there. It's chilly. You can feel how chilly it is. You probably smells like, 
you know, diesel fuel and everything. Uh, and I, I see this, and two things immediately spring to mind. The second season of The Wire, which is all about the docks and the, the police investigating the, the, the people, the, the dead bodies found in the tank, in yeah, the, uh, yeah. the canister. And I also think of, because it's Philadelphia, and this other movie came out probably seven, eight years after this, but kind of in, within, within the range, is I think of the opening of uh, Trading Places, where they have, to the music of The Marriage of Figaro, they intercut affluent Philadelphia with blue-collar Philadelphia. And this reminds me of one of the... This, this could fit into that montage, you know, when they went, they would show like you know Liberty, you know, you know Liberty Hall and the 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 beautiful architecture, and then you see the people waiting for the elevated train and the butcher and all that, and this sort of completely unglamorous city. I think of all the places we've seen of Philly, all the this is just every place that makes the city run, and just in just a few seconds, it just sets it up perfectly. I don't know if you you guys are from Jersey, so you probably spent your time, enough time in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm a big history buff, so I used to go down there because I I was I'm a big buff of the American Revolution is one of my favorite things to read about. Because obviously Philly is a place hmm. you'd go to, but sure. And I and I used to do a lot of comedy down there and in South Jersey. But the thing I, I think both Baltimore and Philadelphia are very strange cities because I don't think there's a there's a okay part of either city there's either super affluent and beautiful and run just get out of here right and and sometimes they're right next to each other and i think that this film really just lives in that sort of the broken down down on its luck part of philadelphia which is a big big chunk of it yeah you, throughout the whole movie you get the feel it's not like he's going from rags to riches he's going from rags to, to rags, rags. <laughs> to better rags rags yeah. to washed rags laundered, yeah. <laughs> laundered <laughs> rags <laughs> but you know we've said already you know i'm only really 12 minutes into this but the 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 role that philadelphia plays in this movie it's like another character in the movie yeah we said many times that we don't think this movie could have worked anywhere else. Like this movie won't have worked in Los Angeles no. or New York or, or Houston, Texas. You know, it, it, it like it works in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that one of the things that's that's you know the subtext of I'm not going to go too you know cinema studies on this, uh, but you know the subtext of this being in Philadelphia, the year of the bicentennial, and the year after the the fall of Saigon. And that this is kind of where America was. America was beaten up. America was down. America was poor, you know, in the massive recession and what was going on in New York. America was like, what the hell happened? I mean, even that scene when he's looking in the mirror and he sees a picture of himself as a young kid, there's a little bit of what the hell just happened? I was that, how am I, how did that kid get to here? And there's that sense of we're celebrating the 200th birthday of America. Uh, the president had to resign, uh, and you know, like the, we've had three straight presidencies end ignominiously, either with an assassination, deciding not to run again, or resignation. We lost a war. We don't know who the hell we are, and we're beaten up. And in a way, Rocky and Philadelphia 
and you know, being the bicentennial, is this, this the whole purpose of this film is we're down, we may be beaten, but we're standing. And the, you, I mean, you could dig in. I mean, there's there's a lot of, um, I forget. I, I wrote. Um, I believe it was Kevin Marr who'd be a wonderful guest on this show. I think it was he who wrote an article about how the Bad News Bears was about the Vietnam War, and um, mm-hmm. and I think that this wow. is about, and and and, it made, and he back, he he showed his work. He backed it up. Um, and, and this is not about, I don't think this is about Vietnam specifically. I think this is about everything. This is about the riots, the assassinations, the resignations, Watergate, Vietnam. What the hell happened to America? We won World War II, and 20 years later, look at us. You know, or 30 years later, well, this is where we are. And, and I think that symbolically having it be in Philadelphia, the cradle you know, where America was founded, you know, politically at least, where it was founded, and where the, was the epicenter of that bicentennial celebration, I think that it, it's apt. If this took place in Pittsburgh and, or if this took place even in Boston or New York or another blue-collar town, it had to be Philadelphia. To, and, and I think it's because, you know, what, what is it when... Um, you know, when, when the, the promoter likes Apollo's idea and he says, it's very American, you know, right, and, yeah. and, and, and he comes out as Washington tossing the, the yeah, dollars yeah. across the Potomac while doing the, you know, while crossing the Delaware uh, boat scene at the end. The, the subtext is there that this is about, all right, we're down. And even when you see how he, you know, how he makes his living is kind of, this is what you're doing, really? You know, that's it's all it all it's all intermingled and about America getting back up again. It's like saying the good guys need a win here. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 on we're on a bit of a slump right now. Yeah, and we were in a slump in 1976. There's no getting around that. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see if if America gets that big win at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> But for now, uh, you can find us on our Facebook listeners group called Mighty Mix, uh, Rocky Minute mm-hmm. on Twitter, and uh, we're part of the Dueling Genre family on DuelingGenre.com, along with, uh, let's see here, well, no, we won't see right now. No, <laughs> no that works. We're going to uh, see. Here we go. Back to the Future Minute. Nope. Cornetto Minute. Ferris Bueller's Minute Off, Harry Potter Minute, Jay and Silent Bob Minute, Lord of the Rings Minute, Spider-Man Minute, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Commercials play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, we'll have to uh, tune in tomorrow to find out what is Rocky's business at the docks on the next Rocky Minute.